Africa rise and shine Africa zora Africa amka na unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa rise and shine This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We're on the frequencies 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 11925 kilohertz on the 19 meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabiso Luhoko and Figilele Nwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, Zimbabwe's MDC Alliance leader Nelson Chamisa tweets optimistic message and Jean-Pierre Bemba's movement for the liberation of Congo says its leader is eligible for the presidential position. In sports news, the Confederation of African Football is still undecided about the under-20 zonal qualifier system. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. Zimbabwe's opposition MDC Alliance leader Nelson Chamisa says after collecting results from more than 10,000 polling stations, his party expects to win Monday's election. However, it's not clear how Chamisa's claim made on his Twitter account ties in with the official vote counting process. Chamisa and President Emerson Mnangagwa are the main contenders. The Zimbabwe Electoral Commission says there was a high turnout of 75% in the vote. The Commission's chairperson, Priscilla Chikumba, says the election was peaceful with no major incidents reported. The Zimbabwe Electoral Commission has ensured that the electorate has been afforded the opportunity to exercise its constitutional right to elect its leaders. The voting atmosphere was peaceful throughout the country, in our view. This is largely attributed to the presence of the Zimbabwe Republic Police, who maintained order at polling stations and the good deportment of our Zimbabwean citizens. It's not clear yet whether the South African government will take any action over Zimbabwe's former First Lady Grace Mugabe after a court removed her diplomatic immunity. The High Court in Johannesburg on Monday ruled that the decision last year by then Minister of International Relations, Maite Nkwana Mashebane, to grant Mugabe diplomatic immunity was unconstitutional. Mugabe was accused of assaulting model Gabriela Engels and two others at a Johannesburg hotel in August last year. South Africa's Department of International Relations says it will study the judgment before deciding on its next cause of action. It's been suggested that the department may appeal the judgment while lobby group AfriForum has warned it may seek a private prosecution of Grace Mugabe. The United Nations Security Council has delayed a plan to reduce the number of peace the number of the peacekeeping mission in Somalia. This after finding that Somali security forces were not sufficiently trained to take over from the existing forces. Around 1,000 troops in the 20,000-strong African Union mission in Somalia known as AMISOM were scheduled to leave by the end of October. But the council unanimously adopted a resolution postponing their departure to the end of February next year. In a letter to the Security Council, the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, said plans to cut AMISOM troops were not realistic 
noting that Somalia suffered the worst terror attack of its history in October last year. The European Union has extended its military training mission in the Central African Republic for two more years. The scope of the mission, known as the EU2MRCA, has also been modified to give strategic advice to the President's Cabinet, Interior Ministry and Police, as well as the military. The mission, which originally launched in July 2016 and is based in the capital, Bangui, involves around 170 people and will now continue until September the 19th, 2020. And finally, U.S. intelligence officials have warned that North Korea appears to be building new ballistic missiles in spite of forming ties with the Trump administration. The officials say they have new satellite evidence of the work. The BBC's Laura Baker reports. The news agency Reuters and the Washington Post both quote unnamed U.S. officials who claim photos and infrared imaging show vehicles moving in and out of the missile site at Sanungdong, just outside Pyongyang. It's not clear what, at this stage, they could be carrying. Sanamdong is where North Korea built its first long-range missiles believed to be capable of reaching the US. Commercial satellite imagery also appears to show two new buildings at the site. These reports are the latest to suggest ongoing activity at North Korea's weapons facilities, despite the meeting between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. And that's the news. Airlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Thank you, Anne. It's 8.05 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Our Zimbabweans came out in their numbers to cast their vote in what has been described by many as a peaceful election. 4.8 million people registered to vote in the 2018 elections, while 23 candidates and 55 political parties participated. Mbali Tetani reports from Bulawayo. Scores of Zimbabweans flocked to polling stations early in the morning to exercise their political right. Despite the chilly weather, many were not deterred. And as soon as it hit 7 a.m., polling stations like this one in the Four Winds area in Bulawayo was filled with eager voters. I'm feeling great and I'm happy that I'm going to vote. It was the first time I've been allowed to vote, so I'm very excited about that. I'm considered an alien because my father wasn't born in this country even though I was, so this is the first time they've changed the rules and I'm allowed to vote. I just woke up early because I have so much hope that this election, like the process has gone very well, very peaceful, and we can only hope for the best. Yeah, I wanted to cast my vote before a lot of people would come. I just want to get into the queue before it's too late. Zapu leader Dumiso Dabengwa also braved the morning breeze and was one of the first people in the queue. Upon casting his ballot, Dabengwa told the SABC News that the process was a bit confusing but went well. I feel very good and I hope I've made the right choice of the candidates that I voted for. From the presidential candidate, national assembly candidate and my local councillor here in this ward. Now I think it's very clear, except the hair. I was looking for the presidential candidate and I got a little confused because there are two palms. There is a Chamisa palm and there is a Kupes palm. And uh, you have to look very carefully and see 
which one is which. As voting continued in the city of Bulawayo, snaky queues could be seen at some polling stations. One of those was the polling station in Burnside, where voting seemed to be moving at a snail's pace. The MDC Alliance expresses concern, saying that the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission could be slowing down the voting process to frustrate urban voters. Prominent leader of the party, David Coulthard. We have long queues and they are going at a snail's pace. Uh, I'm reminded of what happened in 2002 in the presidential election then when there was similar excitement amongst the people of Zimbabwe. Uh, but that was frustrated when the Electoral uh, Commission uh, slowed the vote deliberately in urban areas, frustrated people, had them standing in queues for hours uh, in, in a bid to frustrate the opposition. We hope that that's not going to happen today. However, voters say they will vote however long it takes. I, can, I cannot say it's long, but I think it's short. Because uh, according to my calculation here, by the time, by 12 o'clock, I think I'll be through. Well, I don't mind. I dedicated this day to exercising my constitutional rights. So even if I stand for four hours, I'll still make sure I vote. No problem. We'll stand you all day if that's what it takes to, to uh, correct the wrongs in our country. Yeah, no, there's no problem. We'll... At the same time, leader of the Republican Party of Zimbabwe, Gwanele Sabangana, who also cast his vote at the Burnside polling station, commended how peaceful the elections were conducted. So we uh, have been campaigning uh, for the past few months and we are very excited about uh, the environment. It's so peaceful. We have not had any incidents of violence, which is historic in the sense that uh, previous elections have been marred by violence before, but this one is different. So we feel like we're in 1980 during our independence. While voting was underway at this polling station, MDC Alliance spokesperson Walsh Meningube took the time to rubbish claims that his party leader made a deal with former Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe. Last night, reports surfaced that the MDC Alliance had a fracas over its leader Nelson Chamisa's intentions of wanting to make a former First Lady Grace Mugabe the vice president of the party. This after Mugabe publicly endorsed Chamisa and announced that he will not be voting for the party he founded, ZANU-PF. The MDC alliance is not in any scheme of arrangement with Robert Mugabe and Grace Mugabe. That is what will concern people. There is no such arrangement. There will never be any such arrangement. Mugabe further says, with Mugabe publicly announcing his support for the MDC alliance, he does not see it denting the party's image. I do not see it disadvantaging our campaign because uh, we have nothing to do politically with Grace Mugabe or Robert Mugabe. He, to the extent that uh, opinion polls indicate that there are still 30% of people who support Mugabe personally, and if he is saying what he said yesterday, we'll persuade them to vote for us and abandon the system which has caused so much misery to our people, we'll be happy to accept their votes too. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, in Makokoba, one of the few women candidates cast her vote. MDCT's Togozani Kube took the opportunity to head back at former President Mugabe's claims that she does not have the support to win the country's presidency. Mugabe used to come to Bulawayo. He used to fill up the White City Stadium. He never got a single seat in Bulawayo. This is what he must know. Because packing people in stadiums does not mean that you have won an election. People are going to show who they are going to vote for today. So 
it is only today when people can stand up and say, I am the person who has been chosen by the people. Any other thing, because Mobokras does not vote, by the way. So let's wait for the last person to cast their vote and for counting to begin. That's the only time we'll know who has won this election. With the harmonized elections having run smoothly, EZEC's provincial elections officer in Bulawayo, Innocent Nube, says there were no reports of violence from ZEC, but complaints were reported at some polling stations, which resulted in them closing late. I went through in the morning. I found the people in the queues, and they, they were complaining that Zek was concentrating more on the ASD who were being assisted. So that could have taken a lot of the time. And uh, also, they were saying the tents are not as uh, brightly lit as the other policies. So it takes time trying to see the people they want to vote for. Counting of the votes is now underway. The results are expected to be announced on the 4th of August. Ambali Tetani in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe. It's 8.13 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Meanwhile, leader of Zimbabwe's MDC Alliance, Nelson Chamisa of the opposition, tweeted a very optimistic message saying they have done exceedingly well in the polls. He goes on to say that they are waiting for the Zimbabwean Electoral Commission to perform their constitutional duty to officially announce them as winners. To get an understanding of what Chamisa was saying and also the reaction this has drawn from Zimbabweans, earlier we spoke to Channel Africa Simon Muchema in Harare. Samita has always been saying that um, God is in it. That's the code he has been using, and that's the hashtag he has been using throughout his campaign. And he's been saying that uh, uh, without rigging uh, the MDC alliance and him as the candidate for the presidential and leader of the MDC, and MDC alliance was going to win resoundingly. So already we have seen him posting on his Twitter that um, winning is resounding. We now have results from the majority of the over 10,000 polling stations we have done exceedingly well. Now, uh, for Zimbabwe, uh, to take what Chamisa is saying uh, as the gospel truth, they just have to go by the polling station uh, because, you know, the trend is here in Zimbabwe according to the law. When the counting is done at a polling station, then the results at that particular polling station are pasted outside. Everyone is then free to see the results. And if they've got the resources as a political party, maybe this is what Chamisa has done. You can then compile a total uh, number of votes from the entire constituency, province, and the entire country. Then you can come up with a percentage whether you have won or not. Of course, there will be meticulous verification uh, to be done by Zimbabwe Electoral Commission before the official results are announced. But from what we are seeing here, Chamisa posting, he seems to have confidence uh, from what uh, he, he was saying through all the campaigns that he has won, and maybe he's taking this from the polling station results 
that have been posted outside. And already we've seen congratulatory messages coming from the former Deputy Prime Minister, uh, Atam Tambara. He's now based in South Africa, but has already congratulated uh, Chamisa, saying that, uh, uh, congratulations, President Chamisa. Already they are calling him President. And uh, this is not just uh, the message that we've seen on Twitter. It's sort of a hive on Twitter now, with so many people are talking and maybe sharing their views. Pre- uh, Professor uh, Jonathan Moyo is former ZANU-PF and he has also tweeted that close to four hours after polling closed with counting now completed virtually at all polling stations, the air is pregnant with unprecedented clad tidings, great tidings for Nelson Chamisa and the Alliance. And he's saying the change is systematic and empathic. So people seem to know what is happening. But what is worrisome now is that, uh, on the other hand, if you look the tweets and uh, social media posts by those in ZANU-PF, they are saying MDC is lying and uh, E.G. or Emerson Mnangagwa has won this election. We now have a number of people that we know who are always supporting Emerson Mnangagwa on Twitter and social media. And they are already posting saying that uh, MDC, MDC has lost This is the situation at the moment. The war is now on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, when emails are being posted all over. Now the the, the results are a bit confusing. Zek is slow when it announces the results because meticulous verification has got to be done first before the official announcement. And that was Channel Africa's correspondent in Harare, Simon Muchema. It is you, the people who are our true heroes. This is one of the most important moments in the life of our country. I stand before you filled with deep pride and joy, pride in the ordinary, humble people of this country. You have shown such a calm, patient determination to reclaim this country as your own from the rooftops, free at last. Channel Africa, celebrating 100 years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. It's 8.18 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, Senator Jean-Pierre Bemba's political party, the Movement for Liberation of Congo, has emphasized that its leader is eligible and nothing will stop him from handing in his candidacy back at home. The statement has come after the ruling coalition called on the country's independent national electoral commission to be careful and make sure Bemba's candidacy is not accepted because he doesn't meet the criteria as mentioned by the electoral law. Jean-Noël Bamweze reports from Kinshasa. Former Deputy President of the Democratic Republic of Congo, who's a Senator, Jean-Pierre Bemba, is expected in the country on Tuesday, starting to Gemena in the northwest, where he has to stoop at his father's Jean-Noël Bemba's grave as he died while Jean-Pierre Bemba was in jail at the International Criminal Court at The Hague. It's only on Wednesday that he will arrive here in Kinshasa in order to hand his candidacy to the Independent National Electoral Commission for the position of President of the Republic. But indeed, the ruling coalition has warned the Electoral Commission has to be careful as far as Bemba's candidacy is concerned. 
According to the presidential majority spokesperson Andre Alan Atundu, Jean-Pierre Bemba is not eligible and the Electoral Commission has to reject his candidacy since he's in conflict with the electoral law. Le sénateur pourrait tomber sous le coup de l'article 10 de la loi électorale. The senator would be hit by article 10 of the electoral law that says people who have been condemned for corruption are not eligible. Bribing witnesses means corrupting witnesses and since the DRC is an ICC member, we have to implement decisions made by that international criminal court. This has been supported by some of the law experts we have spoken to about this Jean-Pierre Bemba's matter. They gave us more explanations showing that the Independent National Electoral Commission won't have any other choice but to reject such a candidacy. According to the Study Center for Justice Reforms, the leader of the Movement for Liberation of Congo won't have enough chance to stand as a candidate for the highest position since he's really in conflict with both this country's electoral law and constitution and so his candidacy won't be accepted by law. Charles Mushizi is the Study Center for Justice Reforms director. According to us, Mr. Bemba cannot put his candidacy in terms of being a future president of the Democratic Republic of Congo. The electoral law says that he must be living in DRC for one year before put his candidacy. You mustn't be condemned for intentional offenses living in DRC for one year before put his candidacy. This is not the case because he has been all this time, 10 years, the ICC in the prison. Secondly, the electoral law as well as the constitution say that uh, to be uh, eligible as the head of, of the state, you mustn't be uh, condemned for intentional offenses. Now, once more, this is not the case because uh, Mr. Bemba was condemned. He was accused to have corrupted witnesses in his case. Jean-Pierre Bemba's political party doesn't want to hear about all this. The Movement for Liberation of Congo has described the ruling coalition statement as a provocation and looked at those who support the coalition's opinion as fake lawyers. According to this party's senior executive, who's also a constitutional law expert, Professor Jack Njoli, Jean-Pierre Bemba's file is ready and his candidacy will be handed in few days as he's coming back home this Tuesday and will be here in Kinshasa on Wednesday. President Jean-Pierre Bemba will go and hand his candidacy on time, meaning before the 8th of August, because the party has already prepared his file. Some fake lawyers are even speaking about corrupting witnesses. This looks like made-up offenses. The Independent National Electoral Commission's offices are open to receive and look into candidacies for both the presidential and national parliamentary elections up to August 8, but the atmosphere remains very quiet as candidates seem to not be rushing, although the commission has warned it won't give any day in addition. Jean-Noël Bamweze for Channel Africa in Kinshasa. It's 8.23 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on the frequencies 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 11925 kilohertz on the 19 meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802.
Latest figures from the United Nations Children's Fund show that just over a quarter of people trafficked worldwide are children. Marking the 2018 World Day Against Trafficking in Persons yesterday, the UN Drugs and Crime Fighting Agency highlighted the urgency of acting as soon as possible to prevent a crime that claims more than 20,000 identified victims each year. Fabrizio Sarica, research expert on human trafficking at UN ODC explains how this year's campaign addresses current challenges in child trafficking prevention. The theme is on uh, child trafficking. So we wanted to give a specific focus to this aspect of trafficking in persons and to shed a light to this form of trafficking. According to our research, and this is the global report on trafficking in persons that we publish every two years, Child trafficking accounts for 30% of the entire trafficking population. One victim on three victims of trafficking persons is a child. And this is the global picture. We know that in some parts of the world, actually, trafficking in children accounts for the majority of the victims of trafficking persons. What are some of the most challenging issues to combat trafficking of children and young people? And what are some of your grave concerns as well? It's really difficult to spot one challenge to combat trafficking in persons because actually there are many. I would say from the criminal justice angle, it's clear that trafficking in persons is uh, very often is not a criminal priority for national authorities. So not enough fundings are given to national institutions that are uh, set to combat trafficking in persons in general and specifically child trafficking. And this is from the institutional point of view. There is another angle that is phenomenon itself. Very often victims of trafficking, and this is even more true for minors, for children, they are not aware of being trafficking victims. How about migrant children who are traveling? Are they especially vulnerable? Migrants in general, especially refugees, uh, are of course in a situation that is exploited by traffickers. And as a consequence, traffickers take advantage of this increasing number of unaccompanied minors all over the world that are in a situation of economic needs because sometimes they have to repay the fees their families paid to migrate and under this sort of pressure, they are accepting the working situation that easily turn into exploitative situations. Today, more and more young people are actively engaging in the internet and social media. While these still have made it possible for people from every corner of the world to connect in unprecedented scale, it also become increasingly misused to target young people, including trafficking. How can we safeguard against this? Indeed, this is happening, and we clearly see how social media and Internet, the Internet is used to recruit, to deceive victims, and then turn this into a trafficking situation. I think this is a new challenge. We need to find new ways, for instance, cooperation with the private sector in order to prevent these forms of recruitment. And education, information is needed. It's needed for kids, for teachers, for parents. 
how does the UN Trafficking in Person Protocol works to aid government to combat trafficking practice? How many governments are participating in this protocol? The Trafficking Protocol is a wonderful tool for the cooperation national institutions to combat trafficking persons. Constantly we have national investigators from different countries that are cooperating, working together in order to prosecute traffickers and to protect victims. And this is only possible through the only instrument that is available today to combat trafficking persons, which is the United Nations Trafficking Persons Protocol. It also creates new rights for victims of trafficking to be assisted by the national institutions to recover from the victimization, to be given also assistance and protection. More than 90% of the countries around the world have actually implement, do actually implement the protocol because they have a national legislation that is drafted on the base of the protocol. So it's not only the ratification, the participation to the UN protocol, but it's really to integrate the protocol into the national legislation. This is even more important than ratifying the protocol. And we know that more than 90% of the countries around the world have this. It is imperative to act as soon as possible. Trafficking persons must turn into a priority for everyone. And that's uh, Fabrizio Saricha, research expert on human trafficking at the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime, speaking to UN Radio's Michelle Kusuma. It is 8.30 Central African time and our headlines up next with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. In the headlines, as vote counting continues in Zimbabwe, credibility issues continue to be watched with a close eye. International observers have been crisscrossing the country to check if there was no vote rigging in Monday's election. The United Nations Security Council has delayed a plan to reduce the number of the peacekeeping mission in Somalia after finding that Somali security forces were not sufficiently trained to take over from the existing forces. And a committee of the British Parliament has warned that sexual abuse and exploitation in the aid sector is endemic across many countries and organizations. Those are the stories making headlines. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, broadcasting from an African perspective. (laughs) 
Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Broadcasting from an African perspective. It is you, the people, who are our true heroes. This is one of the most important moments in the life of our country. I stand before you filled with deep pride and joy. Pride in the ordinary, humble people of this country. You have shown such a calm, patient determination to reclaim this country as your own from the rooftops free at last. Channel Africa, celebrating 100 years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. It's 8.33 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Now, the fight against malnutrition in the Chadian capital, Jamena, has received a boost. This came after the international part, International Medical Humanitarian Agency, Doctors Without Borders, MSF, in partnership with the Ministry of Health, opened a therapeutic feeding center to respond to the plight of thousands of under five-year-olds in the area. Endemic both in Chad and Jamena all year round, acute malnutrition has now reached alarming proportions in the country's capital. To get an update of the situation, we are now joined on the line by Dr. Chibuzo Okonta of MSF's Emergency Desk. Dr. Okonta, thank you so much for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Thank you. Good morning. Now, how would you describe the levels of acute malnutrition in Jamena and are the numbers manageable? Yeah, so far the, 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 the situation is uh, quite critical because the, the regular activities that the, 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 the system has put in place has been overwhelmed. The government hospital had to increase its capacity now to up to 170 beds, and uh, the system is uh, quite stretched. Mm. Yeah. Now, is it known why acute malnutrition has now reached alarming proportions? This is uh, mainly linked with the yearly seasonal uh, hunger gap period. This is a period between the harvest and uh, planting season which is quite longer this year because of the climatic issues. And furthermore, there's a decrease in purchasing power. So people are unable to afford the food, and mainly for the children under five. Yeah. 
Now, Dr. Okonta, in terms of uh, access to emergency pediatric care services, is it a battle in the area? What exactly is, are, are the problems that are being faced in Jamena because of uh, the acute malnutrition problem that the, the, the country is facing, basically? Absolutely. The access to emergency care is not adequate and now that you have many sick children due to malnutrition, the whole system is unable to curb. Furthermore, there's a, a worker strike in some of the health centers and a lack of uh, adequate medical supplies also play, play, plays a big role in this. So, yeah. And why is your program only targeting children with acute malnutrition? And, you know, what about those other children or with moderate malnutrition? Is, is there a reason why, in particular, you're focusing on acute malnutrition? Yes, the children who are more likely to die now are those with uh, severe acute malnutrition. They need access to specialized therapeutic food which can be given uh, either in the hospital or by ambulatory or mobile uh, activities. And then for the moderate uh, acute malnutrition, for these children, we need to put in place preventive activities and the sheer number of the, of the children affected, it's quite huge that uh, not one organization can cope or even the ministry cannot do this alone. So there's a need for a collaborative action with other agencies to provide uh, supplementary feeding uh, tools for, for, to help. Now, in terms of your therapeutic feeding center, is this the only functioning area that you have that is dealing with acute malnutrition, or are you aware of similar ones in the country or, you know, in neighboring countries? Yeah. Fortunately, in, in, uh, in Chad, as, as we mentioned, that the nutritional, malnutrition is, is an endemic issue, so you have traditional actors who work in the country every year like uh, some NGOs like Alima has been there. They work in collaboration with the MOH. But this year, the situation is quite uh, high, needing, the, needing more actors to be involved. And this is why MSF has, uh, has been involved now to increase the capacity and access, access for children to get therapeutic feeding. Yeah, and for the other pediatric cases, we we cover treatment for malaria and other common health diseases like diarrhea. Yeah, but uh, since the acutely malnourished children are those who are most likely to to die from common illnesses, so it's why we're focusing on this group for now. And with regards to the number and uh, th- that you treat, whether on a daily basis or in a r- on a regular basis, um, in terms of that and the reach of uh, such centers as your therapeutic feeding center, you know, in the area, will it be increased at some point or is it just this one that you're focusing on and or are you hoping to get more funding to be able to roll out these type of centers in Chad? 
Yeah, there's an uh, emergency to roll out uh, more centers to give access as quickly as possible to these sick children and to support the families who have uh, who have this children. So definitely, uh, there is a call for more support to the Ministry of Health, financially or uh, otherwise, also to have uh, access to therapeutic footing for preventive and also for curative uh, interventions. And with regards to funding, are you able to get enough funding? Is government doing enough? Is the international community doing enough to assist in the acute uh, malnutrition problem that you're facing in Jamena, Chad? I, I think everybody is trying to do his best, but so far the, the response is, is not adequate to, to, to cope or control the, 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 the current situation, which is quite uh, alarming, but still under control for now. And we we are like in a race uh, for time to to control completely and to be able to identify those children who are moderately minorities to prevent them from getting uh, into the severe states. And uh, I think there's more we we, we need more uh, assistance from uh, other agencies and uh, donor agencies also. Thank you. And uh, in terms of support to the families of uh, children who are um, uh, suffering from acute malnutrition, the support base that you're giving these families, are they able to, uh, are the children able to recover as well as the families in going forward uh, after the assistance that they receive from, from your therapeutic center? Uh, so far, the children who we treat, they they, they get they uh, they are healed and they get out well. But it's kind of like a vicious cycle because there are no preventive activities. The child may may come back uh, malnourished. The economic situation is not improved. So the parents are, 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 are yeah. So so far, we need to do more. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Okonta. We'll leave it there for now. That is uh, Dr. Chibuzo Okonta of Doctors Without Borders, MSF's emergency desk, joining us on the line. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. (laughs) You know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, broadcasting from an African perspective. It is you, the people, who are our true heroes. This is one of the most important moments in the life of our country. I stand before you filled with deep pride and joy, pride in the ordinary, humble people of this country. You have shown such a calm, patient determination to reclaim this country as your own from the rooftops, free at last. 
Channel Africa, celebrating 100 years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. It's 8.45 and our economics update up next with Tabiso Luhoku. Good morning. South Africa's Competition Commission has rebutted arguments made on behalf of the banks in the Forex case. Divisional Manager for the Cartels Division of the Commission, Mahale Moshala, says that the Commission has jurisdiction to prosecute foreign banks, especially in the case where there has been an impact on the local currency cartel conduct. South Africa's Competition Tribunal held its first day of hearings in the bank forex collusion case in the capital Pretoria on Monday. We have amended our referral to give them more information, actually more than what the law requires us to do. We have included in our amendment, we even quoted what they were saying in their communication when they were manipulating the rent. So we believe that the accusation that the, our case is not clear, we, it's not uh, justified because we went to even to the extent of quoting for them what they were saying in their chat uh, when they were manipulating the rents. In the weeks since Ethiopia announced sweeping privatization plans after decades of state control, the government will also open up Ethiopian airlines as a state logistics firm and as a power monopoly to privatize, or rather, to private investment. Ethiopia's state telecommunications monopoly is at the price because of its huge protected market, but the form liberalization takes and the speed with which it is carried out will hinge on competition between the government's two top priorities, raising foreign exchange and creating jobs. South Africa's power utility says it may resort to load shedding after several incidents of intimidation and sabotage at some of its power stations. Eskom believes that the incidents are aimed at forcing it to accede to the demands of the unions. The two sides have failed to reach an agreement in wage talks during the past few weeks. Eskom says it's currently working closely with the police to secure its infrastructure. Eskom's spokesperson Kunu Pasiwa says that the latest incidents have put pressure on the system. Indeed, because of these uh, illegal actions, we are not in a position to guarantee that the lights will continue to be kept on. There's a high risk at this stage of low cheering. It might not necessarily happen today. It might happen t- tomorrow because of the intimidations that we are seeing. But from our end, we are urging all the uh, union leaders to come to a meeting with ESCOM as soon as possible 
so that they can speak to their members because the union leadership that management has spoken to today they are claiming that they are not aware that their members are on an illegal strike action EcoBank Zambia has partnered with the Chinese digital provider Topstar to provide digital payment solutions to Topstar customers. Customers can, play for, can pay for subscriptions using the EcoBank mobile app or sign up before double DA, double C standing orders, or pay through any EcoBank branch over the counter. The EcoBank mobile app has been downloaded by over 77,000 customers in Zambia and over 7 million customers across Africa. It is a first unified banking app serving 33 African countries, enabling 24-7 banking services and transactions in 18 different currencies and in four major languages, English, French, Portuguese and Spanish. South Africa's NGO... Organization undoing tax abuse, Alta, says more pressure needs to be put on government to ensure a drop in the fuel price. At 10 o'clock Central African time this morning, Alta, the opposition DA and other groups will be leading a picket against what they call a high fuel levy at the National Treasury in the capital, Pretoria. They argue that if the fuel levy were reduced by 20%, fuel prices could return to one US dollar 13 cents a liter. Alta spokesperson Wayne Duvenacher. Civil society at large needs to continuously challenge government on all matters that are not in the best interest of society. Remember, we started our movement on the back of the ETOL discussion, which was, which was certainly not in the best interest of society. And we've seen that that pressure has now brought that system to its knees and it's about to collapse. So this is a long journey that we're on and, and, and we are fighting for the rights of the people in this country. The U.S. dollar trades at 10.6 Botswana Pula. It's at 9.96 in Zambia. In BRICS currencies, it's trading at 3.71 Brazilian Rail, at 62.51 Russian Ruble, and at 68.50 Indian Rupee. 6.83 Chinese Yuan, at 13.16 to the South African Rand. 76 pence to the British Pound, 85 cents to the Euro. Gold on $1,224, Platinum $830 an ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is at $75. 15 cents a barrel from an African perspective. A sports update up next was Figlet Mwati. Now, sports update this hour. We begin with football news. The, the Confederation of African Football, CAF, has not decided yet to take the zonal qualifier system to the under-20 level. This was confirmed by CAF President Ahmed, who was the guest of honor at the Kosafa Under-17 Championships in Mauritius, which were also the 2019 African Nations Cup AFCON Under-17 zonal qualifiers. Speculation is rife that the Under-20 tournament for 2021 will follow suit with this format of qualifiers. But Ahmed says the decision will have to wait for the review process. Not yet for under 20. That's the first time we try to do it. After we make an evaluation and we continue or we stop or we give a 
amelioration. The CAF Under-17 Zonal Qualifiers are being organized with the help of UEFA Assist. It was for the first time that Kosafa had entered 12 teams at this level. Previously, they have always had 8 teams or less. The corporate and government support in staging these tournaments are also a great deal. That's according to Ahmed, who hails from Madagascar. That's why I don't understand very well when I hear everybody talk there. This tournament is CAF tournament for the qualifying under 17. And we organize it with the UEFA and we organize in each zone. Even the money we use, the financial part, is only FIFA, UEFA and CAF. We are going to see. I thank very much the Mauritius government. Even that the situation, I know that they contribute to make the best to do the best for this tournament. South African Premiership side Sports United captain Dean Fairman says they have learned their mistakes from what was a tough last season. Fairman says they are ready to defend their MTN8 trophy when they play Orlando Pirates at the Orlando Stadium in Johannesburg. Yeah, we want to learn from what happened last season. Uh, we started the season in the perfect way. We won the MTN. We're very proud of that. We obviously went to the Confederation Cup final. And um, from that moment, uh, our season took a downward spiral. But we, we've learned from our lessons. Um, there are a number of reasons why our season turned into what it did last season. But we showed good character to come away from, from it unscathed, so to speak. And um, for us now, there's no more excuses. There's no more... T- fatigue there's no more we have to focus on, on being a, f- a far better team this season having a far better campaign and, and that's uh, what the focus is on in the dressing room and, and from the technical team and, and uh, that's certainly how we are approaching the season athletics kenya's aka executive committee member banaba koriri says doping is a global menace and there should be no discrimination in the tough new anti-doping rules announced by the sports governing iwaf at its council meeting in buenos aires last week under the rules approved by the International Association of Athletics Federation, Kenyan athletes will be among those required to have at least three out of competition doping tests in 10 months before a world championship or Olympics. Up to 50 Kenyan athletes have failed doping tests in the past six years, among them 2016 Rio Olympics marathon champion Jemima Sumgong and former Olympic and three-time world 1,500-meter champion Asbel Kiprop, who has repeatedly denied any wrongdoing. Kenya is in category A along with Eastern African rivals Ethiopia, Belarus and Ukraine who were described by the IAAF as member federations majorly at risk of doping. And the US-based Human Rights Watch, HRW, have publicly condemned the International Association of Athletics Federation, the IAAF, over their fee- new female classification rule. The HRW wrote a letter to IAAF President Sebastian Coe saying the new ruling on regulating testosterone levels discriminates against women. South Africa's 800-meter world champion Casta Semenya turned to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, CAS, last month in a challenge of IAAF rules on testosterone occurring in female athletes that are to be introduced on the 1st of November. That's the Sport News this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai.
Recapping our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at this hour, Zimbabwe's MDC Alliance leader Nelson Chamisa tweets a very optimistic message saying they have done exceedingly well in the polls. And Jean-Pierre Bemba's movement for the liberation of Congo says that its leader is eligible for the presidential position as he's finally back home. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Lebumuna Mukhulu and Jane Rabutata, technical producer Revelino Ibrahims, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us.